From Finance and Commerce, this is Beyond the Skyline, a podcast about economic development, commercial real estate, and construction in Minnesota. Above all, it's a show about what's next, creativity, and the innovation and technology that are changing how we work and shaping the future of business throughout our state. I'm Joel Shetler, your host and editor of Finance and Commerce, Minnesota's oldest business newspaper and online publication. Thank you for listening to our new show. In each episode, you will meet the business leaders, builders, entrepreneurs, and big thinkers who may challenge the status quo, but also make their dreams a reality. We called the show Beyond the Skyline for several reasons. One, the skyline is certainly a reference to one of the core industries that we cover at Finance and Commerce, commercial real estate. But in going, quote, beyond, we want to cover more than just the latest builder and development news and get to the new ideas and thinking that are literally shaping our cities and beyond to rural Minnesota. And of course, a big idea from beyond Minnesota, even from around the world, can affect how we do business here at home. The podcast will also examine some of the core economic development issues that our regional leaders encounter on a regular basis from the workforce shortage and affordable housing to Medical Alley and Minnesota startup culture. Along the way, you will meet the experienced professionals and burgeoning entrepreneurs regular readers will recognize from our weekly Q&A interviews. From time to time, Beyond the Skyline will include special features, such as expert forums, roundtable and panel discussions, and perhaps some original storytelling on Minnesota business. So welcome, and thanks again for joining me. In our first episode, reporter Brian Johnson speaks with Jesse Houlihan, who took an unconventional career path to her role as president of Minneapolis-based Stahl Construction. Houlihan, a 2008 graduate of the University of Minnesota, double majored in journalism and environmental science in college, and then worked as a writer, photographer, freelance editor, project development manager, and marketing and communications manager. Seven years ago, Hulahan joined Stahl as Director of Corporate Development and Sustainability. She was promoted to Vice President of Operations in 2013 and advanced to her current position a year later. Brian and I met her last December at Stahl's headquarters, the venerable Miller Textile Building at 861 East Hennepin Avenue in Minneapolis. The company's second floor space offers 20-foot ceilings, natural light, exposed brick, and distinctive ornamental flourishes, such as a decorative fire escape. After leading a quick tour of the space, Houlihan sat down for a wide-ranging interview. She talked about her passion for the built environment, the future of green building, the industry's workforce challenge, and more. Thank you for the... uh having us here in this gorgeous space. Uh, How long have you been here? Can you talk a little bit about that and tell us about your space here? Yeah, so we've been in this building about three years this month. Mm -hmm. Um, We just, we moved here initially when we rebranded the company. We used to be in a great space in the West End in St. Louis Park, Um, but we rebranded. We're kind of doing a lot more urban projects at the time, meeting a lot with architects and engineers and wanted our office to reflect that. And we also found too that the way we were working had changed so much that our space, like it didn't facilitate the way we needed to come together and collaborate. And so we went about looking to buy a building and I did not succeed at the time. 
um, but found this awesome space, and we worked with Emily Nickel with CBRE, and she she helped us look at what our options were, um, found a great historic space in northeast Minneapolis that was being redeveloped by Ackerberg at the time. Mm-hmm. And they had a great lead developer that I really admired as well and kind of saw the vision of what they wanted here um, and worked with them on taking down the second floor basically across the building and got to work as a team um, thinking through how we wanted our space to work for us, building pretty much two-thirds collaborative space, one-third dedicated space. Mm. As much as we want to move from paper, we still need some dedicated space and some closed doors and some desk space. Mm. So kind of found a good middle ground for us. Yeah, it's very nice. Uh, how many square feet do you have here, you know, offhand? <sighs> I know, <laughs> because it's 15,666. Wow. And I got a little <laughs> nervous signing a lease that ended with 666. I'm like, I'll pay for an extra square foot if I need to, but it is that. <laughs> very nice. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about um, sort of your your role here at Stahl and um, kind of the the career path that took you here. How did you get interested in in, in um, the construction business? Yeah, so I, I did not go about my studies or, or launching my career thinking I would end up in commercial construction. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Um, I studied journalism with a focus on technical communications and environmental science at the University of Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And I was basically the person from 17 on that I wanted to make the world a better place. I just wanted my energy to be contributing to good things. Um, and I thought, it would, I thought I'd probably land in more like technical work. Mm-hmm. And in college, I, I worked my way through about six internships, trying out government, lab work, nonprofit work, publishing work. I'm um, seeing kind of how that worked with my energy and found, you know, I learned a ton doing each thing, but also found that my skill set where I landed the best was like helping disseminate those concepts to larger audiences. So not necessarily just technically producing things. And when I graduated in 2008, I got an awesome job. Um, You know, it was the heat of the recession. Um, So options were a little limited, but I ended up with a really cool job working for an environmental consulting firm based in Amsterdam. And they had their North American office here in Minneapolis. Uh, I got to work on carbon credit projects as well as um, some work through the UN. They had a program then, a carbon exchange, where developed countries would fund renewable energy projects in developing countries. Mm-hmm. And I uh, also, for the first time, was exposed to getting to work alongside architects and engineers here in the Twin Cities, mm-hmm. uh, mostly on lead projects where they wanted environmental consultants. But I sat at the table in my seat. Um, there is the technical expert fascinated with the broader picture of what that was. Mm. Uh, I did not immediately go into that, though. I ended up leaving there to go work for a different client, an environmental tech company. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a really important step for me. I got to work for um, some really amazing leaders in the tech entrepreneur space here in the Twin Cities, the guys who grew Retech and sold Oracle, um, and really learned like, how you create a market how you create a strategy, teams, try something, didn't work, try something else, shift mid-meeting, re-budget, um, really flexible thinkers, aggressive businessmen, and I learned a ton. I ended up getting to work directly for our C-suite and our board, and when they went global and just building out teams, really you know, exponentially growing. And when I felt like I gained kind of what I needed from that company and I stopped to think about what I wanted to do next, I thought, I've got this great skill set I've developed, but I really loved sitting in the rooms with those architects and engineers. And mm-hmm. the reason why being um, the longevity of our work, 
Uh, it has such a long-term impact, our choices, how we understand humans, how they feel in the space, mm-hmm. our materiality, where that comes from, the impact of that. You know, I came from studying the carbon footprint, so how long is it, you know, how durable is it, and how, how much embodied carbon, and where did it come from? Mm-hmm. And I thought, um, if I can do something with maximum impact, you know, this is a great space to be in. I also noticed that a lot of people with you know, really strong business skills didn't necessarily focus on AEC or development. Mm. A lot of times it was people in construction or engineering or architecture that then grew in those companies, you know, created great discipline around it, but fresh perspective, entrepreneurial perspective of how we get it done differently mm. and process or technicality was not necessarily the market wasn't propagating that. Mm-hmm. So it felt like a great space to kind of combine what I'd been working on and, and go try something new. And then I met Wayne Stahl, who owns Stahl Construction. I can't say, I thought I landed construction. I thought I'd maybe be more architecture developments, but he and I had a really fateful first meeting and really sincere conversation. And the rest is his history. Came here. That's great. Now, yeah. How long have you been in, in your current role? You're president, right? Yeah. So I, I came uh, as a director of corporate development. And at the time, Wayne. You know, it was 2012, so I've been here seven years, mm-hmm. um, and he was really looking at how do we make some changes and create more structure, stability, building out of the recession, mm-hmm. and in our interview, started workshopping, like, what can we do? Some mm-hmm. new ideas. So I came under that um, role and really put together a five-year reposition plan for the company, did some deep SWOT analysis, interviewed our clients, our partners, every single one of our team members to put together that plan. Mm-hmm. And then we embarked on that. We ended up closing that plan in about three years. Um, just got kind of an aggressive cycle going. And then grew to work concurrently with one of our long-term VPs in a VP role for about a year before taking mm-hmm. this role over. Well, that fresh perspective you talked about, that's so cool because you just everything is, and just the space you're in right here, it just, screams out at you that it's green reusing a hundred year old space and and just uh, the the natural light and all that wonderful stuff you get here so it really shows that you walk the walk thank you, you yeah. yeah and it's um you know it's sort of starting from crawling so mm-hmm. I went from getting to spend my brain all day on just environmental things to like how do I look at where this market is boots on the ground mm-hmm. and project by project where are opportunities to ask different questions mm-hmm. and I feel like we've just moved from crawling to walking frankly you know it's seven years in and I'm like okay okay <laughs> mm-hmm. we're starting to get there and be able to live it a little bit more mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so where do you where do you think the industry is going now from in terms of I mean everybody says they're green and lead has been around and people have done that and what do you think are sort of the next steps here yeah um to take green construction to another level I think we have to be realistic number one and look at like buildings consume a massive amount of energy Mm -hmm. and we live in Minnesota so I think step one generally we need to look at our buildings and try to have really really solid facades building envelopes that are energy efficient Mm -hmm. That's number one, because even renewable energy can't overcome the impact of having a really tight, good building. Um, for net zero, that's, that's pivotal. And then I think looking at renewable energy, energy efficiency, water use is pretty important. Star- stormwater management here in the Twin Cities, if you look at how our climate's changing, is really important. So making those changes, what plants are growing here, making those changes, I think organically we need to do that base work broadly. 
And then I think the future of what buildings can look like is, is more adaptability, resiliency. So how are we using our, our buildings for more, I think is important. Because I think the way that we see buildings in our community is changing. Mm-hmm. With my long-term you know, love, hope, is that we move towards regi- resilient, regenerative communities and cities. So if you look at it from a city standpoint, what resources are we taking in and what are we you know, off-putting? And that that actually be something that creates more good than negative. Right now, our cities are creating more, consuming more than we're creating. So I think in the long term, that goes back to more circular economic thinking. You know, local jobs, local production, um, in more like think European cities where we have more services, creation, and use in a, a node. I think is a, a cool way to look at it, but. We're doing that now using Living Building Challenge as a good framework. We did our first LBC project in a multi-tenant space for MSR design this year. So multi-tenant, not ground up, but it's it's like regenerative human health combined with environmental health in a physical space. It's a really cool framework. And I hope things like that continue to be great um, markers for us as a market to lean towards. But if I could even start with like base, Let's talk about good, functioning, you know, energy efficient buildings that we're getting more use out of, that we're not renovating every two years, we're making good choices we like, mm-hmm. that are adaptable. Let's, let's do that broadly, mm-hmm. not just shoot for the stars, because it's kind of hard to find those opportunities. Right, right. Well, and can you talk about some of the project types you specialize in here? Yeah. As, well? yes, as a company, we are a mid-sized company, about 40 team members. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> we range in size from 75 to about 100 million annually. Um, so we're, we're not massive. And as our company has evolved, we've ended up being about half public work, half private work. So we work for cities. We've got an awesome project for the city of Wayzata right now. Um, finishing some projects for Minneapolis public schools right now. We do a lot of public school work. Um, that is actually probably 70% of our work is in public schools. And on the private side, we focus a lot on hospitality, so hotel projects. Um, Mixed-use multifamily has become an increased focus for us and really looking as we've you know, advanced into developments in middle market affordable housing, so not huge projects, smaller scale. And then adaptive reuse, buildings like our building. Anytime I can get into a beautifully made building, great structure, and give it a new life, we are starting from a great, great standpoint. Um, it's efficient, beautiful, good for the environment. And then more of those environmental projects, we hope we can continue to have a specialization there as well. Yeah, absolutely. Can you mention a few of the specific projects of note that you're working on? You mentioned this one with MSR. Yeah, yeah. So we just finished MSR space. It's in downtown Minneapolis. Um, it's an LBC certified office space, so very cool. I'm um, doing renovation work for the Carlisle downtown right now as well. Got a great project at 317 2nd uh, Avenue, and that's an adaptive reuse hotel that we're building another hotel around that historic building. Um, if you expand out of downtowns right now, I'm finishing a project over the next six months for the Army National Guard, a readiness center, mm-hmm. blast-proof, massive, concrete, mm-hmm. cool building. We just pulled planned how to finish that project with our subs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elk River Area School District is an ongoing client of ours. Really pleased they just passed a referendum. We're in a great planning phase, mm-hmm. supporting Wold Architects there and looking at a bunch of cool projects coming online for that community. Mm-hmm. 
And then for the city of Waisata, we're working on their Lake Effect project, which is cool because it's a partnership between the city and Three Rivers Park District, Mm -hmm. connecting trails there as well as like reinventing how that city's interacting with their waterfront. And it's really cool. Um, That's a great example of the kind of consulting work we do, uh, coming alongside the city and their architectural partner, but really getting to know the constituents in that community to plan how that project proceeds in construction to make sure it's mitigating uh, construction issues and that people can get to the businesses, transportation, all of that, and a little more horizontal than our typical vertical project. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the development side, we are able to, that great developer who was working at uh, Ackerberg on our cool office building, you know, I was able to lure him to come join our team and create a development uh, wing of our company, and he's phenomenal. So he spent the last year working on strategic partnerships and where we want to partner in the marketplace to bring really cool product online, and we're looking at some opportunity zone work, like I said, that middle market affordable housing, trying to hit that utilizing modular techniques, Mm -hmm. um, as well as some adaptive reuse value add opportunities. Great. Well, and as I'm sure you know, one of the big challenges facing the industry now is this uh, shortage of workers, uh, worker workforce shortage. And um, can you talk a little bit about uh, how you're how you attract and retain workers here, and and what the industry as a whole, I guess, can do to get more people, not not only in the trades, but in all areas of construction. Yeah, and I, I unfortunately, like, you know, most of us in the market, we have no silver, silver bullet for this thing. Mm-hmm. So I think the way we attack it is pretty multi-pronged. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to partner well with subs and support the training programs that lead people into those sorts of businesses. Mm-hmm. As well as because we work in schools, we have the great opportunity to represent, you know, creation and construction design all the way to field work uh, directly to students. And that is an important part of our strategy is just representing that this is an amazing field to go into. Mm -hmm. I have a couple little sons, and I think even the way we talk to our friends and in our communities to support different kinds of uh, technical fields, not even just construction is important, Mm -hmm. that we note those are important things in our community. If you look at job shortages long-term in the Twin Cities, not just in our market, it is, you know, technically trained workforce. Mm -hmm. And it's an important role in our society. So we need to pay well for those roles and support and culturally um, see them as as important as professional careers. Mm -hmm. But then in construction, I love um, when people say you can't be what you can't see. We just get to represent different ways of creating things and hopefully make it kind of cool and different and inspiring. So I'm hoping we can directly connect with people considering options in their career and see that as like not just tech, not just communications, but like I could do something really cool in that space too. Yeah, and I've talked to people, young people who are maybe a member of the union or something, and they've talked about how cool it is that they're out there earning money and don't have all this student loan debt that some of their peers have. And so there, yeah. there's really an upside to it if, if, if you're interested in that kind of thing. So I think maybe getting that message across is important and kind of removing some of the stigma, stigma of working in the trades. But yeah. yeah. It's a good career option for a lot of people, I think. So. I love it. And um, one of the developers I'm inspired by is a, a guy, Kevin Cavanaugh, runs a firm called Gorilla Development out of Portland. Mm-hmm. And we were able to bring him here to speak a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but he does even reverse gentrification development projects where he wants to share ownership with the electricians, um, the carpenters, the school teachers, social workers in those communities to keep them in place. And mm-hmm. he worked hard to create funding mechanisms that can work. And I love thinking in the long term that we can create opportunity like that too. Mm-hmm. Some wild ass dreams to aim towards. And these are 
important roles. We want them in our communities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to encourage that opportunity. Yeah, nice. Well, how what do you are you active in the industry and do you have any leadership roles with um, the industry as a whole, whether it's working on workforce development or anything else? Yeah, yeah. So some that. of my team members are engaged in some pretty cool just construction related entities, mm-hmm. um, but that is their background and specialization, not mine. Mm-hmm. I have focused on a few things that are great extensions of my passions. Mm-hmm. So I'm on the board of the management committee at the Urban Land Institute of Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to work with them to create a product council on resilient community developments, kind of bringing together sustainability experts in our region twice a year to meet and talk um, best class information, so what are the best practices and what can we do and learn about each other's projects so just finished co-chairing that and handed it off and still on the board there excited about furthering um, missions there getting to work with the regional council of mayors is pretty cool extension of that entity as well really what they focus on is convening people um, and creating the framework for having these really incredible conversations that hopefully enables us all to walk away and, and do our work better. Mm-hmm. It's really neat in our space because it does kind of the public-private partnership thing well, too. Mm-hmm. So not just kind of development or just public sector. It's, it's all of us. Mm-hmm. Then I'm on the board of Playworks as well, and they engage uh, with schools, and it's really executive functioning development through play-based, play-based opportunities on the playground and coaching um, staff and, and bringing staff there to engage directly with the students at a really, really you know, young age, uh, really addressing the fact that we are raising kids that are getting tested. You know, That's kind of their way of advancing, and they're not necessarily creating the social-emotional executive functioning skills that will help them succeed and, and find each other. We're seeing it as, as conflict in schools is coming up more. Kids don't know how to play with each other. Mm-hmm. So this, this nonprofit does some pretty incredible work and is a great kind of offshoot of our focus on public education as well here. Hmm. Great. And what, where, where are most of your projects located? Do you focus mostly on the, the Twin Cities or the Midwest, or where do you do most of your work? So we have an office here in Minneapolis. We have another in Des Moines. Mm-hmm. Um, so we market, you know, we work outstate and in urban areas in Minnesota and in Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my personal passions is around how cities function, but that can relate all the way from a community um, with a main street all the way up to our urban environments here. So we address both urban and rural kind of in Minnesota and Iowa. We're licensed in about nine states though, and we travel with a lot of our REIT clients. So mm-hmm. just finished project um, in Florida, at Orlando, at Universal Studios. Um, a couple years ago, we did a project at Fisherman's Wharf in San Francisco, Colorado. Um, really enjoy the opportunity to kind of work with some of those partners in a broader capacity, study and learn from other markets as well. And we have a third location we'd love to open an office in eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, but for now, yeah, that's our, our area geographically. So you can't divulge that location at this point? <gasps> you know, we're looking for the right partners, and I don't, I don't want to divulge. I will say that people, um, every couple months, vote that we should let that one go and choose Hawaii. Oh, there you go. <laughs> they all want to move and build there. Well, I'm sure you'll let us know first when you're yeah. ready to make an announcement. Absolutely. <laughs> um, well, great. It sounds like you have a wonderful uh, practice going here and a lot of cool projects. Is there anything else that you'd like to say that maybe I didn't think to ask? Uh, Yeah, I think um, one of the key philosophies we practice here is, first of all, we can learn something from everybody. You know, all of us have experience that if we can speak up, um, we'll make the process better. So some of it's actually just creating an environment where we can all have a voice. And that's what I know um, people love to ask me 
what I'm doing to help further women in our market. And mm-hmm. I love broadening that question and talking about how we can create opportunity for people to just thrive, have a voice, and find meaningful work. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of what we've done as a company is just create that culture where we all can have a voice to that process. Mm-hmm. And then once we're all talking, um, utilizing some continuous improvement to say every day, how do we set the bar a little bit farther? Mm-hmm. And that pursuit of excellence, um, I love it because it's so organic. It can be you know, how did I approach my morning? And did I make time for meditation? Have I helped myself be well so I'm clear-minded today? All the way to, you know, the agenda last week for this meeting was awesome, but I think we can sharpen the conversation a little in this direction. And when we can all speak and we apply kind of that organic thinking, I get so inspired to think, you know, I don't need to just shape where we're going. We're going to make that together. And in our market, I hope we can continue to further that, you know, see less boundaries between companies, jurisdictions, and more like initiatives, and how we have voices at the table and create really good output in our built environment because this work is meaningful, long-lasting, and beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's a cool space to be in. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for your time. I really enjoyed the conversation. Me too. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening, and please subscribe to Beyond the Skyline. We can be found wherever you listen to your podcasts. To learn more about finance and commerce, or to subscribe, go to our website, www.finance-commerce.com. I'm Joel Shetler, Editor of Finance and Commerce. Thank you again for listening to Beyond the Skyline.